We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the NFL Pick 6 Show, week number six, sponsored by Thrive. We'll tell you about a nice sweet deposit bonus they have to offer later on. Usual suspects, myself, Dean, Dean78904, if you want to get all technical. Rich Rebar, Sharp Football Analysis, John Daigle, 4 for 4, and Bet Spurts as well. Oh, man, week six. It's an 11-gamer. Uh, it feels like an 11-gamer. It feels like there might actually be less. First week of buys, no Detroit, no Houston, no Vegas, no Tennessee. Of course, we talk about the main slate here, the main slate only, so we're not talking about Denver and the Chargers or Dallas and Philadelphia, Washington, Chicago. There's one game that clearly sticks out amongst the rest, and uh, we're going to talk about how to possibly be different, I suppose. And, of course, yes, we'll be talking about Buffalo and KC plenty as well. Uh, Daigle, um, man, this is a it's a rough – it's a weird-looking slate. It's 11 games, and it feels like there's less. Like, just kind of like there's not a lot of great stuff. I'm sure we'll talk about everything and do our best to knock it out on a Wednesday night, but – is, are you like me where the, the slate feels pretty thin to you? It's a jammed packed afternoon slate again as well, where a lot of the late swap options, the higher scoring games, we'll talk about a couple that are in the afternoon, but overall that second slate of games is where I imagine the field is going. So it's interesting. Thin might be the word for it. It's interesting. So it's a three games that are late or four games that are like three. So Carolina and the Rams, you're not talking about that one, but you're talking about Arizona. I'm not Seattle. talking about that one, no. <laughs> but imagine what you could do with Philip Walker's salary savings. Ter- Terry McLaurin didn't get there, but Carson Wentz did us favors last week. <laughs> is Walker? Do we, do we know what the story with that is? He gonna, like is he likely to play? I saw. Yeah. Him. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, he's four nine. <laughs> 
<laughs> Imagine, <laughs> Dean. Imagine, Dean. Going against Josh Allen sex. You cannot <laughs> do anything wrong. <laughs> Oh, man. The other two games, of course, that are late, uh, Buffalo and KC, 54 total. Arizona, Seattle, 50 and a half total. Uh, and how this works, if this is your first time here, where you guys been? Week six, we uh, you know, we break down the three most important games as we see fit on this uh, on the main slate. And then we kind of run it back and talk about our fair plays, position by position, of not or not playing in those three main games. Two of those three, of course, are in that late set. And by the way, uh, as an aside, just kind of keep an eye on it. John, you're talking about as far as the late slate. There is a chance that Seattle Seahawks game gets moved to 530 mm-hmm. pending Mariners baseball. I don't know if you saw that or not. I know baseball is a thing that is played in our world. <laughs> uh, do you know, though, my question is, would DraftKings and FanDuel actually push the lock of that game back or leave the lock at the same time as Cardinals or at the same time as Bills Chiefs? Because that's the real question. Because then we can see the ownership in Chiefs Bills yeah. and toy from there. That's my only question. I, I don't know. I feel a little bit more confident in DK's ability to push back the time than FanDuel. <laughs> well, I mean, DK didn't push up Tyler Lockett anywhere, so maybe we shouldn't have faith in them right now either. Yeah, why is he still 5'6"? Is the button just jammed on him? Yeah, I was running some optimals before the show, and yeah, we'll be talking about Seattle, and for some reason, DK did not get the memo as far as Lockett at, was crushing At least it. on FanDuel, they pushed the $100 button three times for Debo. Just moved him <laughs> up just a hair. But on DraftKings, Lockett didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, again, I it's it's cash games still seem pretty straightforward this week, and we're going to talk about it in the best we can on a Wednesday night. Obviously, some incomplete information, but it appears like there's some value popping up with some uh, injuries as far as some running backs as well. But how do you see this slate, Rich, as far as a, you know, a, a screenshot, an overview, however you want to say it? Uh, you know, one game clearly stands out amongst the rest, Buffalo, Casey, not just from a DFS perspective, but from a – a watchability from a fun that this one should really in theory i mean it really can't top the last time they played i don't think but it should be a blast buffalo in case it yeah i mean that's the game a lot of people will be circling i mean when they played in the regular season last year it was a letdown uh the the bills kind of kind of manhandled them a little bit you know the chiefs had three turnovers i uh, will we'll save it when we get down to, to that game but yeah everyone's gonna be circling that game there are fun one o'clock stacks i think you can make that just see if they hit and then just know what you're going into <laughs> flying blind against the the chalk that will be the two late games because i do i do think arizona seattle is gonna be really popular too. i just think seattle's that team like everyone weekly is just like well who did the seahawks play this week uh we're, we're just gonna go look at that game yeah, uh, you know, we don't talk about last week too much, but that sort of thought process, you know, it was like, oh, who does Detroit play? Detroit's out of the dome and they're facing New England. And there was that quandary. It's like, I don't want a lot of New England because it's New England. And, you know, uh, zappy season is fun to say, I suppose. But, uh, man, and Ramondre, he's going to be well-owned this week. Almost definitely Harris is going to be out for multiple weeks. We'll be talking about that one as well. I believe he had, what, 90% snap share. I don't believe anybody else came on the field once Harris Everyone was died. Say it again? Everyone died during the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, that'll be – and, again, there, there's some chalk pieces, and he's probably going to be one of them going in this week. And Seattle running back as well. Pen, Penny being gone. Walker's all of a sudden going to be well-owned, and we'll be digging into that as well. But the very first game amongst the three games that we're going to be focusing on and then, of course, branching out position by position, first one on the slate that we're talking about is Jets-Packers. 45.5 is the total. Green Bay seven-point favorite here. The one thing I don't love about this game, uh, John, is the, you know, I always look at the Derek Hardy's, uh, the blitz, the game level factors as far as projected plays. Two pretty slow teams. 
projected to have basically the slowest amount of the least amount of plays on the slate. And we're talking about a player too, but they're near the bottom. Uh, ideally, I want a, an up and pace game, but you know, the slate is what it is. Uh, talk to me about Green Bay and the Jets. What side do you want to focus on first? It was either this or Bucks Pittsburgh. And I question if the Steelers will carry their weight and make it a competitive game. So we have to go to this one as our third spinoff. Plus, I don't think we've talked about the Packers yet this year. Let's start with the Jets because I think there are enough ancillary pieces in this game where people will get interested, especially the running backs. Uh, My only concern here for the Jets, unless they go run heavy, which would be favorable for them, is that Zach Wilson also has not really carried his weight since he's returned the past two weeks. And in particular, he's been blitzed on 38% of his dropbacks, which is what we're expecting the Green Bay defense to do since they've done so at the fourth highest rate in the league. And Wilson has completed just 48% of his passes for a pick against the Blitz this year and is an abysmal 3 of 16 under pressure since returning. Uh, I also question if they are good enough that's Jets team to push an above-average team or if we can then just carry the Packers with us in skinny stacks perhaps with Brees Hall and tournaments because this Jets team overall got three picks from Kenny Pickett a couple weeks ago and it came down to the final drive to win the game. And then last week, even when you see a 40-17 to win, they were actually within two points with less than 10 minutes remaining. And then, of course, for the Dolphins, the injuries to Teddy Bridgewater, Teron Armstead, and Tyreek Hill eventually caught up to them and just absolutely cratered. So hopefully we can get some uh, Brees Hall pushback. Maybe someone wants to get cute with the, the Jets wide receivers. The issue also is that's kind of a log jam right now because no one is really emerging, and it's pretty much whack-a-mole with those three players. Yeah, you mentioned Brees Hall. who could, He was awesome last week, and he could have just had an incredible week uh, – what, I think he was tackled like twice at the one, I want to say. And both times he was on the field for the goal line carries, but he was just used kind of like in a misdirection sort of play. And uh, Carter siphoned that touchdown. Uh, but 30 over 30 DK points for Hall. He got the bonus as far as mm-hmm. receiving yards, just kind of got there. And that, I mean, you don't assume that's going to happen every single week. But, yeah, uh, Rich, your thoughts as far as the Jets and, man, that Hall situation. I, I was actually under on him, so I was thankful he didn't completely break the slate. He was really good, obviously. But um, he's, you know, he, he seems legit. He's, he's the guy going forward. I would imagine he's their main piece. And let me ask you this. Is that an anomaly? Was that kind of goofy? Or who should we suspect is the goal line back going forward? Or is it just, you know, it's kind of sort of random? It was him prior to that. I mean, they used him in motion on both plays. So kind of to set yeah. up like a, the decoy, the pull away. Uh, we do hate when teams do that. You've got to reward the guy that got you there, especially after the the 79 yard catch. Like you have to let him punch it in. Like that's just doing a guy super dirty. Uh, we even saw the Cowboys earlier, let Tony Pollard run one in from the one yard line. Right. Like, yeah, even they knew like that, that one was just dirty. Uh, the, I think the it was a timeout too, wasn't it? Like or at the end of the quarter. Yeah. So like, it wasn't like he has ran 90 yards. Let's give him a breather because he had two minutes to chill. And still, they didn't, they didn't give him the ball. That, that, that's what I was thinking. He's like, oh, wait, they're not they're going to take him off the field. And, but no, no, it's a timeout because in the quarter, he's going to come back out there and they're going to they're reward him. And they just used them for misdirection. And it worked. Like, they scored. But, yeah, go ahead. Continue. No, yeah. I mean, Brees Hall was one of those guys coming out as a prospect. He was just so clean, uh, you know, from a dual usage perspective and from a size, speed profile. Like, everything was there. Like, if you were making a running back – it would look like him. Uh, we've seen him really be used, utilized in the passing game to open up his career. Uh, the only running backs in the 2000s that have more receiving yards than him through the first five games of any any careers have been Saquon Barkley, Reggie Bush, Javid Best, and Christian McCaffrey. 
Uh, I'd say it's pretty good company for Brees Hall moving forward. Now he did run hot. He only had two targets and had 100 receiving yards. Yeah. Uh, he also was 16th among all running backs and share of backfield touches. Obviously, when you give away two at the goal line, it doesn't help. Uh, so he he is he's running a little hot, but I mean that should just encourage more workload for him. Uh, we do need them to kind of keep the pace here. And hey, the, the Packers let the Giants hang around last week, so why not the Jets, right? Uh, why not run it back? Uh, and they're coming back from London too, so. Uh, maybe there'll be a little bit of, of jet lag here with the early start, but I mean the Jets, yeah. There's just so many questions here with Zach Wilson. I mean, they're the thing about Zach Wilson is that they're hiding him, and it's not what they were doing with Joe Flacco. Uh, the past two weeks, they're five percent and ten percent below pass rate expectation. They were over pass rate expectation uh, with Joe Flacco. Um, just just forty five percent of. Zach Wilson's pass attempts have come on non-first down plays needing seven or more yards. Only Ryan Tannehill has a higher rate. They're and the, what crazy is the Jets can't run on first down. They're they're running for 3.3 yards per carry on first down rushing attempts, the lowest rate in the league. So they're hiding him and then just putting him in terrible spots when they do have to actually throw the football. Not exactly the greatest cocktail. Uh, he hasn't played well. For fantasy, he's actually gotten there because he has a, a QB sneak for a touchdown last week and he, he caught a touchdown against the Steelers. Uh, but in terms of passing points per game, he's been 19th and 23rd in his games back. It's the same stuff with Zach Wilson. Like Daigle said, I mean, he's just so skittish under pressure. They've had offensive line issues the entire start of this season too, which haven't done any favors, but uh, inaccuracy, just the same story. So we do need Zach Wilson to play a lot better because I don't know if there'll be a situation where they, they can just kind of hang around like the Giants did uh, with Wink Martindale. Who's your favorite piece on this Jets team? If you're going to run a little like Green Bay mini stack, who's your favorite run back? Is it Hall, the running back, or is it uh, a dart at Moore or, or Wilson or something like that? Who would be your favorite play on the Jets side? Yeah, I mean, it just has to be Hall. I mean, look at the what these wide receivers have done since Zach Wilson's come back. I mean, Garrett Wilson has had one good game in fantasy and no one played him. Uh, yep. We keep chasing it. We're going to keep chasing <laughs> that week two game, but uh, he's in the wide receiver 58 and the wide receiver 74 since Wilson has gotten under center. Uh, he hasn't been a top 40 score in any other game besides that game against the Browns. Uh, Elijah Moore is out here as the cardio king right now. Uh, this dude's been targeted on just 14% of his routes. That's 83rd among all wide receivers. That one hurts. Every week I write up Elijah Moore. It's like that new Mario meme. I'm just grabbing my chest, just trying to figure out what's going on here, trying to do it. And then like Corey Davis is like the ultimate like thorn because Corey Davis – is good enough to be a nuisance, and he's just bad enough to not make us care about Corey Davis, uh, the worst kind of player for fantasy football. And then we saw last week, too, with C.J. Uzelma coming back. Uh, he ran more pass routes than Tyler Conklin, so that that is kind of over as well. Uh, really messy passing game, and the quarterback isn't good. Corey Davis is equivalent to Brandon Ayuk right now. If you need four for 50, you'll get it. If you need <laughs> six for 100, you'll get four for 50. <laughs> Who? What is your answer here, John? Because like traditionally, as my runback, if I'm playing a little Green Bay mini stack, traditionally as my runback on the other side, the team that's presumed to be down, we don't know for certain, but right now they're seven-point dogs. You want the receiver, but the most trustworthy play feels like uh, Brees Hall. Brees Hall looks like the best play in this on this team. Uh, he's getting more and more snaps. Libby was up 69% snaps last time out, last game, highest of the season. But generally speaking, as like a thought, you don't like the running back that's a seven-point dog uh, as your runback, but um, you know, who are you going to pick Corey Davis or Elijah Moore or Chris Pratt? I'm not taking any of these guys. At least we would think that 
it would be Brees Hall out there in negative game script since it is, like Rich said, trending in Hall's direction. It's not the waterfall, the dam breaking that everyone is assuming for Brees Hall, but it's trending in the right way. So much so that Michael Carter hit a season low and routes run 30% of Zach Wilson's dropbacks last week, whereas Brees Hall has been over 50% for three consecutive games now. So they are pushing him out there. Michael Carter is also good enough to be a nuisance. Brees Hall is clearly better in every aspect of the game, but Michael Carter is still out there. So if it were seven, 10 point deficit here, I think Brees Hall is the run back. And even at being, what is he on FanDuel? I believe 6,500. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty good price. It's a pretty good piece that may go overlooked in this slate. In the chat, do appreciate y'all watching us uh, on the YouTube. Kindly hit that like button. Do subscribe. Do turn on those notifications. This time next week, I'll be, I'll be tilting basketball, tilting at NBA. I'm certainly looking forward to that. The start of the season what, six days away, of course, here at Runner Grinders. Uh, plenty of, of basketball content, live shows as well. Tune in, hang out with us. Big Willie says, uh, can you confirm? How does it sound to you, Rich? Uh, Corey Davis is the Taysom Hill of wide receivers. Did you buy that? Uh, I don't I don't know. You, you know, did, Corey Davis is, is is interesting. You remember like Malcolm Floyd uh, for the Chargers? Like he would just like, <laughs> you know, he was like, he was like good enough where he'd always be like popping up as like the best player available on waivers, but like no one ever would pick him up. But like no, that's like what Corey Davis is. Like he's just like always like ah yeah, he's all, most fantasy points scored on the year, but he's always on waivers. No one wants no one wants to play him. That's like kind of what he was like. If you had the Malcolm Floyd, Javid Best, exact the box, like that's like a ten thousand to one the the name drops. That was pretty impressive. There uh, might be there might be new viewers tonight since we're recording earlier for a change. So they got Zach Wilson right out the gates, and then they got Javid Best and Malcolm Floyd. This is what they came for. And they just tuned out. Thank you for watching. Correct. We, Good see you. we appreciate we appreciate the few minutes of hanging out with us. Uh John, what I didn't I didn't watch this London game with, with Green Bay. Um, but what I see as far as the snap count, uh, Aaron Jones appears to be separating himself. We were told beginning of the year, uh Jones and Dylan was one and one A. Or he's, was it 1A and 1A, however they however they said it? But now we're looking at as far as snaps, what Jones, 73%, 32% as far as Dylan. Um, is this the norm? I see people fighting, uh, season-long people fighting on Twitter, what to do with Dylan. Some say buy, some say hold, some say sell. Uh, what should we expect going forward as far as, um, you know, the backfield for Green Bay? It was a bit of an anomaly out of nowhere, especially in a game where the Packers were up 17-3 at one point, 20-10 at the half. And then for... A.J. Dillon, who had recorded at least 14 touches in every game so far, to then get six touches and his lowest share of backfield touches, just 28.5%, compared to Aaron Jones, who hit a season-high 71% of this team's backfield touches. It was odd that Dillon was used in game script as such. But also, we've seen it trending down, at least in the passing game for him, for five consecutive weeks now. His target share has literally dipped in every single game, so much so that he didn't have a single target this past game. And they also called a season high and pass play rate from 11 personnel, which got Randall Cobb on the field more, basically as the, the new A.J. Dillon, I guess. I, I don't know if that holds. It's interesting that it just happened in a game script that it shouldn't have happened, but that's really what's trending in favor of Aaron Jones right now. The issue is that I think the A.J. Dillon news, the information, is so well known because it's just aching everyone's souls in the redraft community that Aaron Jones may actually get steamed as a natural seven-point favorite here, seven-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Yeah, uh, your thoughts there, Rich, as far as the backfield? Feel free to jump all of Green Bay. Are we chasing the 13 targets of Randall Cobb? That seems like an anomaly oh, God, to me. No. 
I don't, I mean, like, what's the <laughs> upside? I, yeah, I don't think so, right? Uh, uh, no, he had 12 targets on the season coming into Sunday. Uh, I'm going to say that that probably won't hold. Uh, we still saw R- Romeo Dubs play as the locked in wide receiver, too, you know, in on 90% of the team dropbacks, 88% of the team dropbacks. Uh, it was the first time that he was targeted on fewer than 20% of his routes in a game. I still think he, at his price, is probably more intriguing uh, of the guys. It's interesting is the Jets have been pretty good against wide receivers, especially on the boundary. But both those cornerbacks, DJ Reed and Sauce, have played really well to open the year. Uh, we know we're getting out of Lazard. I, listen, I, of the Packers' backfield, I let, listen, I didn't get a lot of things right. That I've been all over that the, the beginning of the summer uh, when people were acting like Aaron Jones was going to threaten to be the RB1 in fantasy football. Like, I was all over that situation. We've seen it again. He has – he has one good week, and it's a week where he scored touchdowns. And that's been the story with Aaron Jones of his career. He's never had an RB1 scoring week in his career without a touchdown. Uh, and he's now been an RB2 or better in games without a touchdown, 9 of 37 career games. Uh, that's been the story of his career. And everyone wanted to use those seven-game splits spread across three seasons without Devontae Adams that Aaron Jones was going to threat to catch like 100 passes. He's had more than three catches in a game this season. Uh, that's one I'm going to pat myself on the back on. I was all over that one. Wasn't chasing those, those really sporadic splits. That said, if you've watched the Packers at all this year, he's by far their best offensive player. Uh, he leads yeah. the NFL in rate of runs that have resulted in a first down or touchdown. Uh, he has the highest rate of carries that go for explosive runs. Uh, basically all their scoring drives have stemmed from like big plays that Aaron Jones have created. It's warranted that he plays more snaps. They need to get him the football more uh, because if you watch this offense for five weeks, uh, they've got one playmaker and it's him. Romeo Dubs flashed a little bit, but it's really Aaron Jones right now. So they've got to generate splash plays. When you look at Aaron Rodgers right now, he's dead last in the NFL in rate of receptions that gain 10 or more yards. Uh, 31.6% league average is 43.6%. He's just relying on yak. The the Packers receiving yardage uh, is all yak. 63% of his passing yardage is yak. It's the highest rate in the league. They just can't generate big plays right now offensively. Uh, something we we largely did see coming, but uh, that's been the story of the, the offense. And that's how you let teams like the Giants hang around when you should be crushing them right when you're up 17 and three and you're you you it's how you don't score in the second half against a team like the giants uh this it's offense four just and one giants you're besmirching just so you know oh listen my son has let me know repeatedly <laughs> uh scoreboard the entire the entire day on sunday and, and every day since but yeah this, this offense just doesn't just this needs playmakers so aaron jones is really the only guy they have like he, he it's warranted that he plays more than uh tyler algiers jamil dillon uh as like game stacks go rich like again john he he picks our games for us and look you got to pick a third one that's just the rules of the show where would you have like jets packers because it's it really gets ugly pretty fast it's the third highest team total on the board as of right now like 45.5 is the third highest minnesota miami right there baltimore giants right there but you know john was in a pinch there's just Again, it's the nature of the slate. I guess Tampa, Pittsburgh, 43 and a half. I don't know if Pittsburgh's going to chase back or punch back. That, well, Pittsburgh and we'll, we'll talk about the Ravens, but also like the Giants have one player you're playing. So like we would spend <laughs> yeah. our, we would spend 10 minutes talking about one player. That's it. So listen, yeah. I, I do, I do thinking before the show. I know what we're doing here. Oh no, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I was, what I was saying is what a dilemma you had. I didn't want that. I'm no. glad we yield to you because 
I would still be sitting Hard there life. trying to answer. We have two games, and I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a bummer the fallout the Dolphin situation has had because that would have been one potential with this. You know, they're already talking about playing Skylar Thompson, uh, who played a lot. He was put in a really tough spot last week, but you can't have Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle have four and three yard depth of targets in an NFL football game. <laughs> like we can't live that life, but uh Dolphins Vikings could have had potential to be fun, fully healthy. And, uh, and Mostert popped up on the injury report all of a sudden too. So we got, we got lots of question marks in that Dolphins game. Why do they even pay Chase Edmonds if they're not going to play him? I saw Tyreek was in a walking boot. I don't know how severe that is. And the other weird thing is that they said, even if Bridgewater passes everything and is good to go, he's behind Thompson. I don't, why is he did Thompson just outplay him? Is that what the, the thought process is there? Or did you guys see this note? You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I mean, they really they like Skylar Thompson. Uh maybe they're gonna they're gonna devise a game plan or maybe he was put into a, a ridiculous spot to make like his first NFL action because you think like they had to ramp up Teddy, right? To get first team reps. So you know Skylar Thompson didn't take any first team reps last week. And then the dude's in one play into the game. Like, yeah. there you go. Uh so really tough spot for him. I don't want to drag him. He played really well in the preseason. He had moments in college, you know, he played, it felt like 15 years at Kansas State, but uh, he had moments in college. He's a good athlete. He didn't run at all in that game. Uh, I'm curious to, to see what they cook up for him, but potentially with no Taron Armstead, like that's, it's still a lot to ask. It's a tough spot. Yeah. You got anything else? Do we want to talk about it, Rogers? Like, are we going to play Rogers? You're saying, Rich, that there's no weapons there. I'm going to throw the ball to really. I mean, um, the team totals, like you said, is telling us that. I mean, it's been here though. Like I've been, I write up these games every week and the Packers every week. I'm like, well, you know, Vegas is trying to get us on. Like the Packers are going to score points. And then every week they don't score points. Uh, like it's, it's the same story every week. I mean, yeah, he needs playmakers. The other problem with Rodgers is like, dude, I mean, these quarterbacks, like, what are you supposed, what are we supposed to do? Like we've got Brady. That's like really cheap on DraftKings, but like, how do you just not play Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts every Josh Allen? We haven't got like Josh Allen should be $9,000 on DraftKings. He should be $10,000 on FanDuel. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're dragging their feet on this. We've seen it with like guys like Todd Gurley, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Like it takes a while. Cooper cup is there now where like Cooper cup just lives at like the, the high nines on both sides. Josh Allen should be there. Like the dude is scoring 30 points every week. Like how are you supposed to play Aaron Rodgers? Even if you get 18 and 19 points, dude, Brady was like really good last week. He had 20 fantasy points. And if you had Brady, you were dead. You're just about dead. Like, so, I mean, how do we not play these guys? Well, the thing is you used to play the cheap quarterback to open things up where you get like CMC who's putting up, you know, 10 catches and a hundred yards and a couple that person doesn't exist anymore. Like CMC from 2018, that player doesn't exist anymore outside of maybe like Cooper Cup or whatever, but you're not getting those running backs that just are the nuts. And there's so, so consistently putting up 30 plus fantasy points. So it's like, okay, great. Dollar for dollar, you're saving some salary and this guy's doing okay, theoretically, math wise. But wh- where are you putting that savings? It's a good use. It's there's not, a, there's it's literally there. a, there's literally a 10 point difference in points per game between the QB one, Josh Allen, and the QB five, Kyler Murray. Like it's just, it's not pretty right now, except outside the top three or four players. Yeah. I guess uh, we should talk about that game. That's the next game we're talking about. It's the Kansas city chiefs. They're at home versus Buffalo. Uh, what three point dog here, two and a half point dog, 54. As far as the total should be fantastic. Uh, I'll throw it to you, Rich. Uh, yep. Well, I guess we prefer Allen over Mahomes and, uh, it's it's interesting too because like thinking of guys to pair him with, there's a lot of pairing options on both sides. I saw um, uh, Ian Hartz had a tweet about Kansas City 
uh, the receivers. You know, earlier in the year, we talked about Mahomes had that quote. We're saying basically it's going to be somebody different every single week. Well, it's been nobody any week. It just has not happened. Uh, he has it broken down. I think the best thing I saw was MVS wide receiver 20. Like you got five shots every single week. The five wide receivers for five weeks. And just like nobody gets there ever because Travis Kelsey, you know, he's dropping the Al Bundy Polk high games, put up those four tutties. Uh, I, I was told he was too old. Apparently not just yet. But, yeah, uh, some great pairing options. But certainly the start of this game, Rich, is the two quarterbacks, Allen and Mahomes. Start whichever side you prefer. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I wrote about the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. I noticed that the, their their target rate to wide receivers was way down compared to years past, and it's kind of continued. And that's had an impact on Mahomes. Like, it hasn't really showed up in fantasy because he's got so many passing touchdowns. But uh, the past four weeks, you remember, he came out week one, he threw for 9.2 yards for pass attempt. He's 25th in the NFL in yards for pass attempt uh, over the past four weeks uh, because when you just have to throw so many targets to tight ends and running backs, it, it's just going to inherently drag, bog you down a little bit. Now he's getting there with touchdowns. Interesting about Kelsey, he's also averaging a career low yards per catch. He also is just getting there on touchdowns. Um, the Chiefs, when Kelsey's going, they're really good. And when Kelsey's kind of boxed, that like we've seen him a couple times this year, like the Chargers game, a little bit in that Colts game, like the offense kind of looks very sketchy for the Chiefs. And it, it, it's something that definitely scares me, not big picture, uh, but to see if they can kind of punch back. I mean, you look at these games last year, obviously Mahomes had the 40-burger in the playoffs. When they played in the regular season, he only had 18 fantasy points. He wasn't even a QB1 that week. Uh, it, a couple of things of note when the two games that they played the Bills, obviously the Bills only blitzed him on six of 116 dropbacks. Yes, there was 116 dropbacks in two games for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> he ran for his two highest totals of the year in those games, 61 and 69 yards. Uh, from a passing stance, Tyreek Hill accounted for 28% of his completions and 33% of his passing yards. Uh, obviously, that ties into everything we just talked about. Uh, Kelsey is going to get there probably, but, like, what about the rest of these guys? Like, who else from the Chiefs do you have any confidence in right now? Uh, you, are you playing CEH? Are you chasing those touchdowns? He has, he's had more than 12 touches in one game. Uh, you talked about the receivers. Like, Who? Who are, who are you putting in a lineup with Patrick Mahomes that isn't Travis Kelsey? Who? Sell me yeah, on one MBS is probably the guy. I mean, he's really cheap, too. And they're all cheap. And that's the other thing is they're so cheap, but they're rightfully cheap. Because none of them get there ever. <laughs> uh, Nicole Hardman and Justin Watson have scored the only two touchdowns, one apiece, mm -hmm. among all the wide receivers on this team. Juju and Marquez Valdez-Scaling, who lead the wide receivers in routes run, have combined for just two targets inside the 10-yard line. Like, they don't even look at them where it matters. And instead, it's the ancillary pieces. That's why Kelsey has accounted for seven of Mahomes' 15 passing touchdowns and Clyde Edwards-Alaire with three. Like, it's basically tight ends and running backs from Patrick Mahomes this year. That's what makes this so tough, because I keep looking at their team, too, and it's like Clyde Edwards-Alaire isn't evolved enough to think he's a pivot off of the passing game, especially when you get rope-a-doped weekly between <laughs> Jarrett McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco as well. There was no reason for Jarrett McKinnon to usurp Pacheco last week. It just happened out of nowhere. And he looked amazing. He looked, maybe they did, maybe he looked great. Maybe they did just ride the hot hand. Maybe I'm just 
angry about it because I swapped him for Pacheco on waiver wires everywhere. <laughs> Maybe that's it. But either way, like there's no really way to tell how they'll use these players. And you would have to depend on efficiency only, which isn't even efficiency in terms of yards per catch, yards per run, running. It's literally just coming down to touchdowns only for Clatterer's lair. So I agree. That's going to make Travis Kelsey the highest roster tied in on the slate. We'll get to other pivot options later, but it's just tough with this Chiefs offense. Yeah, I mean, I think MVS, MVS is my favorite amongst the group on DK at 4.5K. Seems like a reasonable price, and I would imagine he'll be the most But against the Bills? Player. Like, the Bills, all they do is sit back and play shell coverage. Like, and you're going to, like, what is MVS going to do? Like, MVS is the complete, like, opposite wide receiver that will, like, ever be successful against the Bills. Uh, like, give the me the hand of the take then, but it's not MVS. Who is it? Or is it just is it just Kelsey and we're overthinking it otherwise? I mean, no, no team plays more zone coverage than the Bills. No team plays more two-eye safety than the Bills. Uh, like what is MVS doing? Like all his, all of MVS's catches last week came up off, off like rub single man stuff. Like he's like the exact opposite, like type of guy to have success against like the structure of the bills defense. You would say like maybe a guy like Juju just because how much zone they play, but like, I mean, he has eight or more targets in every game, but one like Juju, the problem with Juju is just like, he just has no juice, man. Like, He's nothing after the catch right now. And just like John said, like none of these guys are involved in the red zone. Like at least like Byron Pringle would score random touchdowns. Like <laughs> these Chiefs, they have two touchdowns. The wide receivers have two touchdowns so far. Yeah, it's, it's not good. Uh, Sky Moore, I see in the chat, somebody mentioning him. Like he's still just 35% snaps and it's increasing. You know, the rookie, um, by 24, is that his number? It's 24, right? Is that? Yeah, he is 24. It's quite <laughs> egregious. <laughs> I'm like, who's 24? I, uh, it's, I haven't seen a lot of Sky Moore these days, but yeah, I, I don't, man. I, I don't know. John, do you have a, a preference, a favorite? If you're going to pick one of these, uh, Juju did, did get 86% snaps last game, which is the highest of his season for what it's worth. But, you know, Rich is right as well. He just, you know, he looks like he looks like the world's oldest 25 year old playing football, man. He, uh, he hasn't he hasn't finished any higher than the wide receiver 27 on DraftKings, like a points-per-reception site. That's absurd considering, like Rich said, in four games this year, he's seen eight-plus targets. So there's no – there's there really is no answer except for Travis Kelsey. It's so frustrating. So is the Kansas City offense not going to be successful here, or it's just going to be Kelsey just, you know, smashing? Is that – like they're projected to score 26 points. It should be a bit of a shootout. You know, Buffalo is going to make them presumably, you know, throw the entire game. Um, Rich, you're, you don't like MBS. You don't like Juju. And I mean, do you think Casey just kind of flops overall or it's just it's going to be Kelsey? I mean, and- listen, I'm not going to go out here like openly just like betting it's Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes at home. It's sort of the first time he's ever been a home underdog. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I don't feel good objectively about the situation that they're in right now. Uh, I don't feel good about it, especially against this Bills team. Uh Man, I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, the way the Bills are – because the Bills, like, they're getting plays from, like, all kinds of – they're the opposite of the Chiefs, right? Like, they're just like, you know what? We'll just plug in Khalil Shakir this game, right? That Bam, 70 yards and a yeah. touchdown. Like, they're they're just – you know, whatever they need to. Like, they're just dialing up guys. Quentin Moore should have had a touchdown last week playing for Dawson Knox. He smoked his deed off the line. One of the few bad throws. Josh Allen had two throws that should have been touchdowns. One to Stephon Diggs and one to Quentin Morris, which, you know, his game could have been even more bonkers. But, I mean, the Bills, are they've got all these guys that are, like, chipping in and doing work. And the Chiefs are basically, like, trying to figure out, find out, like, which one of these receivers are going to make some plays outside of Travis, Travis Kelsey. 
Were you guys surprised by the line a little bit? I was a little bit surprised by what three, two and a half Buffalo. I figured Buffalo maybe minus one. I don't know. I, a little surprising. Buffalo's better, right? And it, the public believes that, but Casey is also a public team too. I guess not. Uh, John, were you surprised by this line or no? A little bit, just to see again, like Reeve said, Patrick Mahomes is a home underdog, especially because it opened at the full three. They didn't even give you the two and a half. They went right for it and it got bet down. So a little shocked to see that. Interesting game. John, your uh, official favorite play in Kansas City uh, outside of Kelsey. Like if you're going to throw a dart at one of them, who would it be? I may even just flex Kelsey. That may be the the unique way to approach this. That would, of course, entail playing any other tight end on the slate. Uh, but maybe flexing Kelsey is the way to go here just to get unique with Chiefs exposure. But really, that's it for me, honestly, because if we can get to the Bills side. There are so many ways to go about it. That's what makes it fun. Like Josh Allen averaged 320 yards and totaled seven touchdowns with no picks against the Chiefs last year. And this year, like Reeb said, 30 points per game. He hasn't finished outside the top five quarterbacks in any contest this year. He's just been tried and true in every single contest. Uh, Remember also the Chiefs, even though Allen has been much, much greater against the Blitz this year, in this game of the postseason last year, the Chiefs didn't Blitz him at all either. Um, Just sent nine Blitzes overall at him. So we just think he's going to have time to sit back they can take their time. They can put their foot on the gas. They can do whatever they want. So I just, I'd lean on if you ask me which one, it has to be Josh Allen. Yeah, Rich, it sounds like you feel the same way. Who's your favorite pairing partner for Josh Allen? Assume all the, you know, obviously the context of salary and things like that. Yeah, and, and the matchup is good for, for Allen. I mean, the Chiefs are uh, 28th in passing points allowed per pass attempt. They're also facing the second most pass attempts in the NFL. So if you combine those two things, that's how you get them allowing a league-high 20.7 passing points per game. Uh, that's not even – like, imagine just being able to just, just, like, start with, like, 20 passing points. And then you add Josh Allen to the fire, like, his rushing ability, goal line equity, all those other things. When these teams played last year, he had 36 and 37 fantasy points. Like absolutely bonkers numbers. Um, yeah. And you can go a lot of ways about this. I think Devin Singletary is going to end up being really popular because of his price. Cause we've seen Devin Singletary in the foxhole games when the bills have played tight games, he's been the guy he has 18 and 15 touches for 91 and 96 yards in the two close games that they've played this year. In the other three games that they've won by 21, 34 and 35 points, uh, he has just eight, uh, 10 and seven touches. But like when the, when the shit hits the fan, like the dude that they have in the game is Devin Singletary. Uh, so I think a lot of people like will just get to him naturally because uh, he's a salary saver in this game, which there aren't a lot of, uh, you know, the bill side has definitely a lot more viable options that you can save salary on because you don't want to play Devin Singletary. Uh, when you look at how Steve Spagnuolo has approached the playing the Bills, and I don't know if he'll do it because remember the last two times, the last time these teams played, Gabe Davis went for 200 yards and four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really just tried to slow Stephon Diggs down. We saw them just like they, they threw a lot at Stephon Diggs in these games. Uh, they played they played four times the past two years, and in those games, Stephon Diggs has 46 yards, 77 yards, 69 yards, and seven yards, and he has one touchdown in those games. They've really just thrown a lot at him. I'm curious to see if he does that because obviously everyone will just naturally pair him with Diggs. Diggs goes with his his ownership just naturally goes with Allen's ownership because we always see like the quarterback's going to drag along a, a stacking target. Uh, we'll probably see some chasing of Gabe Davis. 
uh, Gabe Davis is like the antithesis of the work smarter, not harder, right? Like uh, of a fantasy football player. Only three catches last week. Guess what, though? Did it again. You know, only been targeted on, you know, 18% of his pass routes, right? You know, doesn't matter. Because all of the targets that Gabe Davis gets for his entire career are just high value, high cholesterol, rich in fantasy fat targets. He gets deep <laughs> targets and end zone targets, and he lives off of those. You can get six targets in a game when those six targets are almost all 20 yards downfield. They're in the end zone. Uh, easy way to get there. Work smarter, not harder. Uh, and then it looks like Isaiah McKenzie will be back this week. So he's you know in play as well. The Chiefs have been pretty – Okay. They've been okay against slot receivers, but it's only because wide receiver ones have been murking them so far. Uh, they've allowed the second most points in the NFL to opposing wide receiver ones. We saw Devontae Adams get over again on Monday. It's been a consistent, you know, kind of theme for them this season. And it's just be real curious to see how Spags approaches trying to do what he's done in the past the digs or just kind of say like, we can't do it because we're not stopping anyone anyway. So we might as well, you know, kind of stick to our base defense, but yeah, there are a lot of options on the bill side. Work smarter, not harder. That's what they teach you at UCF. I learned that there as well. Uh, hey, let me ask you this. Uh, in, a, in a vacuum, Rich, I'll get to you, John, in a second, but you mentioned Singletary. In a vacuum, again, not game stacking, whatever. Singletary's 5'9 on DK. Ramondre Stevenson's 6K. Uh, Hall is 5'8. So they're all essentially the same price. You, how would you separate those three? I mean, it depends what you're playing. I mean, it, it, yeah. it sucks to say that as a cop-out, but because we don't know, you know, it's Wednesday night. We can't see ownership. We're going off our projections. We know things are going to happen throughout the week, but I would wager that Devin Singletary ends up being the most popular play out of all of those guys in tournaments and large field tournaments, uh, just based on salary and game environment. Uh, then probably followed by Ramondre because they did at least hike Ramondre up. Uh, maybe not enough. But he's going to be so chalky that he might become unchalky in a sense. <laughs> and you mentioned DK. Like, you go to FanDuel, Devin Singletary sitting there at 5,700. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ramondre is 6,500. It's like, good grief. Like, how do you even – how do you get off those players those salaries? And, of course, uh, running my optimals, no surprise, uh, Josh Allen is landing in a good chunk of them. Uh, he's well ahead of – if you're spending up, it's going to be Allen over Mahomes and Cash – uh, of course, in tournaments, do whatever you want. But, yeah, there's an opportunity to cost. Lamar well, seems like a really interesting tournament play. People are going to play him, right? They're just going to pick one of these two quarterbacks in this premium uh, game. Uh, John, what do you have as far as the Buffalo side? What do you want to add to what Rich said? Rich pretty much touched on everything. Uh, even though Devin Singletary has been taken off the field of the fourth quarter in two of his last four games, uh, the salary is where everyone's going to get to as a potential pivot since literally only he and Josh Allen have a carry inside the 10-yard line for the Bills this year. They only go to two players. So he'll be interesting. Um, yeah, I wonder how much Isaiah McKenzie will get steamed since I still don't think they'll play Khalil Shakir if McKenzie's back and it looks like he's going to be back since he did practice at full from the concussion protocol today. I just wonder how much he'll get steamed. That's, that's really my question. Not if he'll get played, he'll definitely get dragged along in Allen stacks. We're expecting Knox back or we don't know. Maybe I don't, I actually don't know. Rich, did you see his uh, practice report today? I think he was limited on Wednesday. He has hamstring. He's a hamstring and an ankle injury. He hasn't been good either, uh, right. which is kind of a problem. We I almost would like to see Quint Morris get more run because he's a lot more athletic 
uh, you know, Quentin Morris had a shot in a big game last week. Uh, and I would, and honestly, like you can you can drag Quentin Morris with you in Allen stacks and flex Kelsey. That's kind of where my what head is at. Quentin Morris on DK? I'm pulling it up right now. He's two eight. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, I mean, if we Mor- got no knocks, I mean, he Quentin had a Morris, shot. Kelsey. He he had five targets and he had a shot at a huge. He had a touchdown where he cooked this guy. Mm-hmm. He was really good in the preseason. Um, he's an interesting guy, man. I was looking at him last week. I didn't end up playing him, but I was keeping an eye on him because I was curious to see. I I have him in a couple uh, deeper dynasty leagues. Um, but if Knox ended up not playing, I mean, he'd be an interesting guy too in this game. And, and even if Knox plays, like it's not just that he hasn't been good. He hasn't been good, but also what we saw in his last 10 games post coming back from that wrist injury was him running around on 90% of dropbacks. He was an every down receiver for this team. But then this year, uh, he's averaging just a route on 63% of dropbacks. Like, he's not even a part of their offense, really, honestly. So, he's just not a player you pay attention to. They paid him a bunch of money. you think that that would matter, yeah. but I guess maybe not. Um, but, yeah, I, I saw the one player talking about. I'm like, who is it? I never heard of Quentin Morris. But, I'm like, this guy looks really athletic for a backup tight end. Uh, right, the siren song, the athletic tight end siren song. Speak, sing to me again. I, from the I watched – Drag me under. <laughs> I watch the uh, the ETR show every Friday night because I support my friends. And Silva mentioned Quentin Morris and the double take Wiggins and Levitan had to do because obviously who has ever heard of Quentin Morris? Uh, okay, they, the, it wasn't just me. They, they, they didn't know the, either. The regular person who doesn't chart this shit behind the scenes was not ready for a Quentin Morris take. But they are preseason DFS hawks. Like, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they should have been on that. I just pulled up his player profiler, and his, his best comparable is another person I've never heard of, Garrett Graham. <laughs> that's no mm. Garrett Graham. <laughs> that's Garrett. actually that that's a fair comparison, but uh, let's not compare him to that in the week we're going to play him. Ah. <laughs> what, what what should I know about Garrett Graham? Is he still playing in the league? Am I aware of this? No, one? no, no. Okay, I can't even remember the last year he played. Trifecta box, by the way. Uh, Javi Best, Garrett Graham, and Malcolm Floyd. Cash your tickets. Buddy. We got those viewers. Keep them coming. Keep them. <laughs> they're watching still now. Looks like he played for Denver, if I'm making up that uniform appropriately. Houston, right? Oh, it, it could it be. Was Texans. Uh, yeah, he okay. was Texans. He was a Texans. He was a Texans tight end, right? Well, it looks like orange to me. But all right, never, nevertheless. Uh, Garrett Graham's closest comp, uh, James Casey. We can play this all night. <laughs> 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 we got anything else here? We're talking about Arizona, Seattle. I think we're moving on, right, boys? Have, I mean, listen, a- I, I will say this. My my initial thought here is I will definitely have bill stacks, but I'm probably going to be under on this game. It's just th- this game, like like games like this, they just end up so mammothly owned and mm-hmm. across the board. Like, I don't I, I don't think a Bills chief stack wins anything major large field this week. Oof. We are. I mean, we're just avoiding not avoiding, but we're just worried about two games. Right. We're worried about this and Cardinal Seahawks. Those are the two games that everyone is playing. Yeah, and we'll talk about that in a second. And I agree with that in premise. And but the thought process is like, okay, you can't just say this game's not good or this game's going to not hit. Right, right. You got to tell me which game hits now, and that that's the tricky part. <laughs> and like you know, it's it's variants and yada yada. It's just the one example, and things can happen. I thought it was Browns Chargers last week, man. I was all over that game, and it looked good. The final score looked good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it did hit. You just had to, you had to stack the running backs. <laughs> I did. It. I mean, I had it. Yeah. Herbert was Herbert was the dude who boned me. Yeah. Josh Kelly had a touchdown. They kicked like three red zone field goals. That was pretty cool. 
Eckler's had a couple of good uh, back-to-back weeks there. Not on the main slate. They're facing Denver, I believe, Monday night. Uh, that was that was a uh, uh, Wilson's agent put that thing out about his shoulder, right? Like, like they got to do something. If you're, if you're Russ Wilson's agent, you got to drop something out there about like does something go? Maybe he's legit hurt. I don't know, but like the PR damage control. I mean, what? A, another, it's either that or like another Subway commercial. Um, I mean, between Russ and the and Nathaniel Hackett, man, like it's been a tough opening five games, man. It has turned quick in Denver. Yes, yeah, and they're on Monday night because they're on primetime every single week. Well, we got two weeks of primetime Bears coming up, Thursday and then next Monday. The Bears are on primetime again next week for everyone that's excited about tomorrow. Will you watch uh, you know, the, the Island game that is Washington at Chicago? I, uh, I, I live two miles away. I may go down there. It's my, one, it's my one free night. My work is usually freed up by Thursday. All the notes are done. I may work my way down there. Like, to the game? I, I literally, I literally live. Rich has been in my place. I literally live just two miles away from the lakeside, just right over there, Soldier Field. Okay, yeah. So I, I, w- I may go. I may go down there. I mean, listen, if you're gonna watch that game, <laughs> if if you see hell, you don't. No one wants to go to hell, but if you see hell, you got to check it out. You have to know what it's about. So I may, yeah. I may work my way to hell. Well, next week you'll tell us what Kaiser Soze looks like because, uh, man, this is you, you know how the line like I wouldn't watch that game if it was in my backyard. Like they're talking about watching that. It's Chicago. literally in my backyard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'm gonna watch it too and just hate watch it and tweet. Oh, well, everyone's gonna watch it. Once we were uh, one half into Broncos Colts, no one was going away. Everyone's still stuck with it. You got to. I, I turned. I went away. Okay, it's communal. Well. They hate watches communal. It's like now we're all in it together. Like, yeah. We can't leave. <laughs> I, I, dude, I saw the the opening three drives that came, and I said, no, <laughs> no, you're out. It, guess what? No. It didn't I change. Too much. I don't get enough free time. I, I was like, nope, nope. I call. I, I hit my wife up. I was like, Jen, it's time. Like, let's let's get on something. Let's, I already let's... see how this is going. <laughs> There's no. I, I have no need for this in my life right now. Do you remember like the last play you saw like, that broke the back? And so that's it. I can't. I just can't do it anymore. It's just the overall stench of the entire game. Uh, I, think. I, I think it was like just some errant Matt Ryan throw. or so. It was like, I mean, both of those offensive lines were so bad in that game. Like you just knew like there was just like it was just going to be such a nightmare. And like none of those quarterbacks had a chance in that game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't really know. I saw what happened on highlights at the end, but. <laughs> highlights, not the, yeah, that's the word they used, but. Uh, how do yeah. Ryan do in a punt passing kick competition at this point? I feel like well, his arm seems kind of shot these days, right? It's a oh, the line's not been great. What a disaster all around. I mean, who, who knew it? Th- I mean, he's a 37 year old quarterback that can't move. Like, if you don't protect him, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, they were starting a you know, they tried to rotate the offensive line, they kicked their you know, right tackle Braden, Braden Smith in the guard. I mean, then the right tackle just got murdered the entire night. Like, it was. It just, you know, what are you going to do, man? <laughs> you sound frustrated talking about it. You didn't even watch it. Let's move uh, on. To I mean, the Colts are, like, the Colts are just a nightmare. Like, uh, it hurts. We'll move on to some great football. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks are at home versus the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, 50 and a half as far as the total. Seattle looks like they're a two and a half point dog at home. Uh, did you, you guys, I'm sure you saw this weird quote that uh, allegedly that uh, Drew Locke is on the heels of Geno Smith. Is that is that a for real? Is that a real quote, or is that Roto World just like just like trolling us? It's uh, Coach Speak trying to keep Geno Smith playing at the level he is right now. Okay, I mean, this just seems like a weird thing to say. Like that's I thought that was the youngin for a second. I'm like, what? Why? Like he's 
thoroughly overachieving. He's been spectacular. And we're talking about, I don't know what, yeah, it's just so weird. But uh, yeah, John, you, you feel free to jump on the Arizona, Seattle, whatever, what's uh, what's your beak. And again, uh, we're going to get a lot of ownership, especially on the Seattle side, Tyler Lockett, especially on DK, where he's forever 5.6K for no particular reason. Uh, Kenneth Walker, the presumed uh, number one guy there now in Seattle, the absence of Penny. Uh, he's not priced for a lead back, so he's going to be fairly popular as well. And, you know, wait and see as far as Arizona because Connor's got ribs. He's questionable. Uh, maybe Eno Benjamin can be a thing. Mm. Although he doesn't feel like a guy that they would like ram for 20 carries, but he'll get enough when you consider his prices 4.6K at DK. Dealer's choice, John, wherever you want to go. Uh, we'll start with Gino since we already talked about him because remember, we talked about, well, we talk about the Cardinal Seahawks every week, oddly enough. We have to talk about them again. And last week we had questions because it was the first true test since they upped their offense, since Gino became Gino, that they were playing a tough defense. And what we saw was their plays per game, right? They they only ran 49 plays, but it's because they were so efficient. They were so damn good. They still averaged 7.7 yards per play. And now over the last three games, since they've upped their pace and upped their no huddle rate, they're averaging 60 plays per game. Uh, remember, this Seahawks defense or Seahawks offense has also scored 28 points in four of their last six contests against Cliff Kingsbury. And Arizona didn't blitz the Panthers aggressively in week four. They probably decided to just let Baker Mayfield make the mistakes for them. But in every other game, they blitz the opposing quarterback on at least 40% of his dropbacks. And Geno Smith, of all people, has the highest completion rate in the league right now against the blitz this year. So if they're going to send the house, it's another amazing matchup. And unlike what we saw from the Russell Wilson Seahawks at any point, last week Geno brought along the wide receivers with him as both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett finished as a wide receiver one, a top 12 receiver in that game. So now it's getting even spicier, kind of figuring out where he's going with the targets and that he actually can provide production to win tournaments for both players. So, of course, it's an, it's an amazing matchup. Rich, have we figured it out? It's, we have five weeks. Is it is it Metcalf or is it Lockett? Or as uh, John suggests, you could play both in theory. Yeah, it's a little different this year than the the old uh, just hope you get there in a couple long plays. Uh, yeah, it's interesting is Arizona, they blitz at the third highest rate, but they play, in, they play in man coverage on just 35% of their blitzes, which is 26th in the NFL. Uh, Gino against zone blitzes is 20 of 23 passing with nine yards per pass attempt uh just just what a revelation we're having it's one of the funnest stories of the season you know even mm -hmm. last week I was kind of like one foot in one foot out I was like all right you know Falcons uh and then uh, who they play the week the week before this uh Lions Lions Falcons yeah. Lions like all right Saints is like a more formidable matchup I think he'll be solid but like won't be as good and like man he was just incredible the, the weird I thing about him is that he's like a hot they're like starting these games hot and they're terrible in the second half like the Seahawks are one of the worst second half teams in the NFL. Uh, Geno Smith has his EPA per dropback. It's it's zero point five one. The next closest quarterback is Josh Allen. It's zero point two eight. So he's almost two times better than Josh Allen in the first half. It's like how good G Geno Smith's been in these games. He has one touch, one passing touchdown the second half this season. Uh, you know what's games. weird is that um, combined this game, like Arizona's the worst. The first half team. team. Right. Yeah, I wrote about this a lot. In the okay. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, is there an angle for this gambling-wise? Like, you bet, you know, people – first, first, Yeah, Seahawks first, Seahawks first half. And then if you're on Cardinals, you bet either second half or the full game. <laughs> uh, Arizona has not scored uh, a, a first half, a first quarter point this entire season. 
Um, you would think that like some of this stuff's going to break against the Seahawks. I mean, this is unbelievably like the worst defense in the NFL. Like it's not even close, especially when you look at their schedule, like look at the, look at the quarterbacks that Seattle's played so far. Uh, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo with a little sprinkle of Trey Lance, Marcus (laughs) Mariota, Jared Goff, Andy Dalton. And like, they are unequivocally like the worst defense in the NFL they've allowed opponents to score on over 50 percent of their possessions they've opponents have reached the red zone at over 50 percent of the possessions like it, they're giving up touchdowns from outside the red zone they've allowed the the most touchdowns from outside the red zone in the NFL like and look at those offenses I ran off that are getting there on but like what happens when the Seahawks start playing good teams like oh my goodness like these games could be incredible if Geno's playing this well uh it's- you could <laughs> It's almost, it's fun because it's kind of the elixir we need for Kyler right now, who just hasn't been getting there. Uh, Cardinals, well, he struggled out the gates so far, averaging a career low 5.6 carries per game. He's only recorded, Kyler, more than five carries in one game all year so far. And the one time he got the passing bonus on DraftKings this season, he didn't score a touchdown that week. So we haven't seen him finish any higher than the QB8 in DraftKings this year, which is why he's never been, and injuries too, but this is why he's never been in a winning tournament lineup. But now we have, like Rich said, like a historically bad defense here to prop him up. So like this game could be a lot of fun. You guys are talking to me into a Kyler stack. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be owned to some degree, but obviously people are going to be focusing on Allen first, possibly Mahomes. Uh, you mentioned Brady kind of cheap on DK as well. But, man, I love Kyler for tournaments in this game. You have competent runbacks on the Seattle side. You can do it via the, <clears throat> the running back, or you can do it via, you know, obviously the receivers of Metcalf and Lockett as well. Do you have an early thought, or is it too early to even talk about it, Rich, as far as the, the running back situation for Arizona? If we have a, a lack of Connor, how, how do we feel about Eno? Uh, we feel okay about it. I feel a lot better in, like, season long, especially than, than DFS. Uh, we'll see who they end up bringing in. They did sign someone today, Tyson Williams. Uh, Daryl Williams was already declared out. We're just waiting on Connor. Remember, Jonathan Ward also left that game. So, like, they were oh, they were, they literally lost every other running back besides Cito Benjamin in the game. Yeah. Uh, but Eno Benjamin was already ahead of, you know, Daryl Williams is like the 1B kind of guy. And then when we saw Connor leave the game, it was kind of like nothing changed. Eno Benjamin, Daryl Williams just became James Connor. Uh, so we'll see if like anything kind of shuffles around there. The interesting thing is Arizona sucks at running the football, though. Like they're terrible at running the ball. Uh, even last week, he had a touchdown, just 3.1 yards per carry, though. Remember, Connor was running for just 3.7 yards per carry. He only ran for 3.7 yards per carry last year to uh you know like is a, is a really good pass catcher though that was him coming out of arizona state i mean in that 2020 draft class he led that entire class in share of team receptions coming uh out of school um but again if like if you can't run the football like the seahawks here elixir there's not a positional group you can find that like just doesn't torch the seahawks like it's equal distribution like <laughs> almost all over the board like they're pretty good against like boundary wide receivers that's like the only like kind of one spot but, like everyone is getting home against the seahawks they're even allowing you know five yards per carry to running backs that's 24th in the league 18 rushing points per game to running backs that's 28th in the league even receiving points on the backfield they're like 30 they're 30th in the league in receiving points allowed per game to running backs um tight ends kill them. Even if you take away everything Taysom Hill did, you can remove everything Taysom Hill did. 
and just look at the receiving stats for tight ends against the Seahawks, and they're all incredible. Uh, like, you know, 11 and a half yards per target, 30th and touchdown rate. They, like, it's just equal distribution. Like, if you have someone to play in Seahawks, you just, you just play them. You just put guys in, anybody, just plug them in. I think Eno is cheap enough and he catches enough passes that I'm not terribly concerned about the lack of his rushing ability. Um, I think that's my thought process in that. Like you can play Kyler with Benjamin, with Hollywood, and I'm okay with that stack. Uh, a theory getting the entire offense there for Arizona. John, build a, build your favorites stack in this game. There's many rights to go. Obviously, you can start with Gino. You can start with Kyler. But if you had only one stack on a Wednesday night you could make, how would you make it? Kyler, Hollywood, uh, would I go Rondell or Eno? That's so you can put Eno with Kyler, but maybe you try to soak up all the touchdowns through the passing game through Kyler's legs instead and get off Eno because, like Rich said, he projects as okay, but okay will not be his ownership. His ownership will be top three among all running backs. So I don't know yet on a Wednesday if I'm going to get off of it completely. Um, yeah, he's only four, four K, right? Four, five, four, four, six on DK. Four, yeah. Yeah. If we, if Connor is declared out, then he will leapfrog just about everyone. Just yeah. based on, we see this every week. We saw when once Isaiah McKenzie was out last week, Khalil Shakur instantly got jammed in. We've seen this story every week this season. That's when Gabe Davis became the play last week too. Whenever we knew everyone was going to go to Khalil Shakur instead. Uh, yeah. I mean, but I, I know I like the Cardinal side. I still have to piece together how I would play it but I love the Cardinal side. Um, Marquise Brown, even, he saw six targets in week one. Since then, since week two, he's doubled that. He's averaging nearly 12 and a half targets per game and a 27% target share in that span. So overall, or 25.7% target share. So overall, we kind of know where the ball's going. And with Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews on this slate, or again, if we're sneaking Quentin Morris into our, our trying to save salary for bill stacks, like, I don't really care about Zach Ertz still. Zach Ertz has six catches in four consecutive games, and he has one top five tight end performance in that span because all he does is catch the ball. I don't, I don't, I don't need to even play him with Kyler, honestly. I can try to get sneaky elsewhere. So it kind of allows you to play Kyler Eno Hollywood or Kyler Rondell Hollywood because although Rondell Moore's slot usage last week, he moved back into the into the slot for 80 plus percent of his routes and then had his average depth of target increase to last year's relevance with just 2.3 yard depth of target. Even that can get there against the Seahawks defense. Like we can use Rondell's yak in this game, especially on a site like DraftKings. So I'm still toying around with the idea, but I know I'd bring Hollywood along for sure. Rich, you remember like not that long ago, like we would have a uh, backup receivers and backup running backs that were 3K on DK. It oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank good you. A totally different game. Like it was, a, I was thinking about it. We're looking at Benjamin, like, oh man, he's so cheap at four or six. Like he would be three, two. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> if it was four years ago, or whatever it was. And uh, yeah, just the way injuries and like Kenneth Walker wouldn't be five, four. He would be like three, five. Well, Walker getting some reps. You know what I'm saying? It was a totally different build. I'm just remembering, I'm nostalgic for those times for. You know, the they the still fumbled three. it though because the he Connor left the game like last week, like so they still knew like this was a possibility. Uh, I think the, the, the Ramondre too, like there, there could have been more of a proactive approach taken, yeah. Uh, and that's the other thing is like if there's Benjamin who's gonna look kind of chalky, and then we talked about Singletary being pretty interesting, looks like the price a little bit better there on Fandle. Uh, Walker on Seattle at 5 4 on DK, I think he's got a good Fandle price as well. Uh, he should be the clear number one there. I guess Dallas might get some third down stuff, but 
you know, Walker's got a pretty good price. He's popping in optimals. He looks like a, an early candidate. That's my one hang-up with Eno from a tournament perspective is all these other running backs just feel like they have like 25, 30-point ceilings, mm-hmm. and I don't think Eno does. I think he's fine to save salary, but, man, like I would rather save salary like at another position like tight end, right, and try to just get like a floor out of that than at running back in a tournament in like a large field because Ramondre has like RB one overall upside. Uh, Kenneth Walker, e- Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall. Like these are guys that have like really front end, like ceiling pr- projections. And Kenneth Walker is one of those guys. Kenneth Walker was the 40th pick overall in the draft. Like the dude had 19 touchdowns and 1700 yards last year. Uh, he led the, he led all this draft class in rate of runs that go for 15 or more yards last year. Uh, he faced loaded boxes on 20% of his carries at Michigan state. It was the sixth highest rate in the draft class. Uh, he was a 92nd percentile speed score running back coming out of the combine. Like this is, this dude has pedigree. Like Mm -hmm. he's like, a this is, there is a lot of upside here. That 69 yard touchdown he had last week. That's like what he did his entire final season at Michigan state. Um, long runs, chunk gains, like can get there in one play. Uh, definitely that kind of upside for him. Uh, there's a reason he was drafted that highly, uh, not just because of the Seahawks. Don't do a lot of like, you know, lineup construction analysis on a Wednesday night because, you know, a lot of it's going to change, but it's interesting. We're talking about a lot of like mid-tier cheap running backs, just thinking like CMC and Barkley and Fournette, the big spend-ups. If Taylor goes, theoretically, uh, he has big game uh, in him, you know, only 8K on DK. Uh, historically, he smashed Jacksonville. I'm just kind of thinking about like the builds are probably going to be like spend down on some cheap running backs at, because there's a lot of good value there, but maybe there's an opportunity cost as well. And I know the entire season basically spending up on running backs as a general thought has not been necessarily spectacular, but the ownership's going to reflect that as well. We got anything else here, boys? We move it on. I think we're moving on to positions. Yeah, we're going to do positions uh, position by. Uh, well, I, I guess. Um... Well, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I guess we have to have a quick discussion on Tyler Lockett being 5,600 on DraftKings again. Because, again, he just had two touchdowns over 100 yards. Uh, He's the same price that he was chalk last week and an even better matchup easily. And so I don't know yet what I would do, but at least we do have an answer. Like, no one was going to play Rashad Penny last week anyhow, even off a good game. But with Kenneth Walker having this salary, uh, I guess to get unique – because you wouldn't want to play Ken Walker and Tyler Lockett for obvious correlation reasons and because you're pretty much trying to steal each other's touchdowns and points. You'd probably have to tack on Geno to that mix to get unique. I don't know. Rich, what are your thoughts on Tyler Lockett on DK? Yeah, I mean, he's going to be the most popular cash game guy. I mean, yeah. secondary guys have gotten there the best. Again, you know, Arizona has faced a lot of good wide receiver ones, uh, and they are third in the NFL in points allowed to opposing wide receiver ones. Look at some of these games wide receiver ones have had against them. Devontae Adams, two for 12. Cooper Cup, four for 44. A.J. Brown, three for 32 last week. Uh, they, like these, these lead wideouts haven't been getting there against Arizona. The secondary guys, the Mac Hollins is uh, Devontae Smith last week. Those guys have been having the better games. Uh, Arizona's also worse against slot. Wide receivers, obviously, as a you know product of that, you know we're seeing Tyler Lockett basically be a 50-50 inside-outside player. Um, yeah, I mean, even from an objective stance, it looks like Lockett has a better matchup. Then you combine his salary just being ludicrous again, 
uh, and he's going to be tough to get away from. Uh, but the one thing is with Lockett, though, in tournaments at that price, last week was the first game he scored a touchdown. So, mm-hmm. you know, you don't get buried if he doesn't get in the box, right? Like, you know, that's always one of the best things about, you know, FanDuel versus DraftKings is even guys like Cooper Cup. Like, you can avoid, like, those 30 burgers, right? Even when those guys are going to be popular because if they don't score a touchdown, they're not just stacking all those receptions and getting the bonus. So I would say, like, Lockett with with the touchdown equity, which has been small so far, like, he'd probably be a dude to avoid because you just need him not to get a touchdown. All right, can I tell you our favorite plays, position by position, by position in just a second? Before we do that, we do want to shout out our sponsor, Thrive. Join in on the fantasy prop action this NFL season with Thrive Fantasy. Easy to play, no salary cap style contest revolves around over-under style player props. Each prop has a fantasy score associated with the prop. The riskier the prop, the higher the fantasy score. You rack up the most points for your share of the prize pool. And we have a nice, sweet uh, deposit bonus for y'all. Use the promo code GRINDERS, that's G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S, for a deposit bonus up to $250 as well as free tickets. How do those free tickets work? Well, if you want a deposit between $100 and $499, you will get two free individual $20 tickets. If you deposit $500 or more, you get six free $20 contest tickets. Again, use that promo code GRINDERS, deposit bonus up to $250, as well as those tickets, terms, and conditions do apply. Check out Rotogrinders' review page for Thrive Fantasy in the description for more. And to get you guys started, you want to, we want to pick out some of the winners as far as some of the props. Uh, John, you have a you have it in front of you. Uh, give the people some winners as far as some of your favorite props on Thrive today. Let's go. I'm looking down at this. Uh, what do I get for? Oh, no, that's not a good discrepancy for Nick Chubb over touchdowns because I do think it's a good matchup for Nick Chubb. Uh, let's go over... 291 and a half total yards for Lamar Jackson, who is probably ugly because we've seen his past two games, but we get an extra 10 points on Thrive for it. And he's a player I'm about to talk about in positional plays. Should I just roll it off here, Dean? Should yeah, I just segue it? it quickly? Okay, cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, here we go. So I like Lamar Jackson this week, which is why I'm betting his over on Thrive. And that's because whenever you see his last two performances – it was easy let down spots against the Bills, who we talked about, send four pass rushers. Lamar's averaged 5.6 yards per attempt against four pass rushers. And then last week's game against the Bengals, who are playing more two high safeties. But overall, in this potential spot, Wink Martindale has sent the league's highest rate of blitzes. And thus, the Giants are also running the second highest rate of man coverage. And unlike his historical struggles against the Blitz, Lamar Jackson has been lighting it on fire this year. Eight and a half yards per attempt against the Blitz, and seven of his 12 passing touchdowns have actually come against extra pass rushers as well. So I, I love a Lamar Jackson ceiling game in this spot at zero ownership, and no one's going to click that button on Thrive either. Yeah, that's a, it's really interesting for DFS because, you know, talking about getting away from Josh Allen and Mahomes, that's certainly one of the places to look. Oh, I'm pulling this. Uh, if you go to the Thrive Lobby, this is their biggest contest of the week. $100,000 guaranteed prize pool, 20K to first. Uh, you can also correlate picks, just sort of throwing it out there before I throw it to you, Rich. But if you happen to like Josh Allen to throw more than two and a half touchdowns and interceptions, uh, you probably should correlate that with Stefan Diggs catching a touchdown because if he throws a touchdown to Diggs, it's good correlation. It kind of helps uh, helps you get you there. Uh, Rich, some of your, uh, your thoughts, anybody stand out for you? And that's, by the way, those are both kind of even money. 100 points more, 100 points less for Allen. You're taking a slight hit on Diggs, 90 points if he hits it. 
but that's still, you know, that's not so bad. Uh, what do you have, Richard, as far as some of uh, your standouts when it comes to these uh, over-unders? Yeah, yeah. Correlating player props are definitely underrated uh, in the market. I remember having this conversation last year with Cooper Cup bets to win MVP. And it's like, well, if you're going to bet Cooper Cup to win MVP in the Super Bowl, like you have to bet like Matthew Stafford to throw an interception, right? Like, so you have to stack those. <laughs> like, you know, you know, like, you know, all these different things. So like, yeah, you definitely correlating player props is great. Uh, great way to get into it. Uh, looking at the, like nothing is like super intoxicating here off the rip. Uh, looking at some of these just at face value. Um, I would say Hollywood Brown for reasons like Daigle said, you know, his, you know, his yardage looks pretty good. 64 and a half feels pretty light. Uh, and you're getting a bonus on it too. You're getting plus yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know what CMC's even money. So I guess that's fine. Like, I mean, he's been getting there. He's got over hundred total yards in his last four games. Uh, you're 93 and a half is what you're sitting at there. Um, nothing is like super, super great. Uh, that I'm looking at here on paper from the Ryan, but like under untouched, uh, under interceptions, he doesn't throw an interception, get 120 points. What does that say about <laughs> Matt Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's tough, real tough scenes for Matt Ryan, who has 11 fumbles, too. He leads the NFL, <laughs> he leads the NFL in interceptions and fumbles, uh, through five weeks. Not great. We you kind of touched on they, that. They traded, ago, yeah. they traded Carson Wentz for Carson Wentz. Yeah, hate, hate to see it. Uh, <laughs> Mike, I do like Mike Evans. We're going to talk about Mike Evans in positional plays for sure. Uh, I like that one, you know, five and a half uh, catches. I think it's a big Mike Evans week this week. Um, yeah, those are the ones that kind of stand out. It's a, it's not as glaring this week. I mean, even Lockett, like six and a half for receptions is like, that's a high line. It's a tough number. Yeah. Asking for seven catches on a bet is really tough. Yeah, unless you're like Cooper Cup or something. Right. Like that. There's like one guy you would bet. <laughs> but you are you're getting 115 points. You're getting paid off on it at least. But yeah, it's kind of tricky. I, I like well, there's a reason you're getting it. The Marquise Brown one at 64 and a half and plus one plus 110 points. I think that's my favorite as well. Yeah. You kind of threw that one out there. But uh yeah, you got a big 10 of these 20. Well, Josh Allen plus two and a half touchdowns plus interceptions because he doesn't even have to throw an interception, you just throw three passing touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> run okay. for one. You can run for one. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about our fair plays position, position by position. Uh, John, you're already three years out as far as Lamar. You got anybody else, or are you good? You just want to, you just want to pass. Well, Reeves, I, I have a feeling is about to talk about Tom Brady since we already talked about uh, Mike Evans. So, Reeves, I'll, I can send you Tom Brady. I mean, I, I like Lamar too. I like the Lamar call. I mean, I like Brady in, in theory, but like we talked about, like I played some Brady last week. But man, mm -hmm. like, like he had 20 fantasy points in, you couldn't get there with it. Like, does Brady have, like, can he push these guys? Can he get there? Because the matchup's fantastic, right? And we've seen that the Bucks now have started to wing it around. They're 16 and 18% in pass rate over expectation the past week. He has 52 pass attempts in each game. They just stalled out. They didn't finish drives last week. Um, and the Steelers have just been er terrible. I mean, and the Steelers are another team. Look at the quarterbacks the Steelers have faced prior to Josh Allen, like, all terrible guys, and they've just been a really bad defense. You know, I mean, I shouldn't call Joe Burrow terrible, but it's been a ru the run out for the Bengals has been terrible this year. But yeah. they're they're 26th in yards for pass attempt. They're allowing a 5.2 percent touchdown rate, which is 26, 17.2 passing points per game. Um, it, it all lines up. DraftKings, he's really cheap. I think Brady definitely banks the 300 yard bonus for you, but like, can he still get 30? Like my quarterback, like I want a quarterback that almost has like inherently like he's gonna score at least 25 mm -hmm. and can he score 30, 35? And I love the argument for Brady. I just man, 
it's just the how do you just not play these guys that have this upside? It was interesting last week. The millionaire maker was Josh Allen with Gabe with, with Davis, right? And then three Tampa Bay pieces. So no Brady, but it had Lenny, it yeah. had Godwin, and it had Otten. So like three Tampa Bay pieces, but no Brady because, like you said, the twenty points for Brady doesn't get you enough. That's not that's not good enough. It's fine in theory, but you know there's no ceiling to that unless he goes like three hundred and four, which is possible, unlikely. And it's Allen because it's Allen every single week. That's just what it is, man. You just play Josh Allen every week, and you just got to figure out around there. Uh, anything else as far as quarterbacks, Rich? You want to throw some running backs into the, into the conversation? Nah, we covered it all, especially, you know, our, our guy Jalen Hurts not being on here. Yeah, no Hurts. That's unfortunate. Uh, as far as running backs, we kind of mentioned a few of these guys in passing. Uh, Stevenson, we sort of talked about. Uh, Kamara still waiting for his first touchdown, getting siphoned from uh, Taysom. Uh, if Taylor comes back, I think he's really interesting in theory. Uh, Lenny, he saw a price jump on FanDuel at 8.5. What is he on DK? 7.4. That's still a pretty good price, mm-hmm. especially with the catches he gets. Uh, anybody you want to focus on, Rich, here as far as running backs? No, that's I – mean, we've covered most of it. I mean, it's going to be such a concentrated pool of guys at ownership between Walker, Stevenson, potentially Eno Benjamin, Devin Singletary – uh, we'll see if it, you know, it becomes like the pivot is to pay up for guys like, you know, McCaffrey or Nick Chubb, not on DraftKings, but Saquon, you know, still, uh, does Saquon slide through a little bit? We talked about Aaron Jones. Uh, that's really it though. Like those are the guys, we're just going to see so many cheap guys this week, draw so much ownership. Uh, I do think Nick Chubb's in a great spot. I don't think you necessarily is the guy you want to pay up for on DraftKings, but the Browns have really done something kind of unique here. Um, and it's for the first time in his career. So it's 48% of Nick Chubb's carries so far have come with three or more wide receivers on the field. His first two years under Kevin Stefanski, those rates were 32% and 36%. And with three or more wide receivers on the field, he has 7.2 yards per carry, which, you know, Nick Chubb is a guy who's really good against stack boxes. Like, right. Like he beats the league right against stack boxes. Now you give him light boxes. Um, he's faced, yeah, on the on those carries, those forty seven carries with three or more wide receivers in the field, he's faced a loaded box and just four carries. So, like when you have a guy that's just been inherently this good of a runner, even against stack boxes, and you're now giving him more light boxes to work with, like this is how he's had the run out he's had to start this year. Um, New England has been really they've really struggled to defend the run too this year. Uh, they are twenty fourth in, in rate of runs to allow five or more yards, twenty third in rate of runs to go for ten or more yards. Uh, he, you know, Chubb is a guy like if he doesn't score a touchdown, you're left holding the bag a little bit. But it, it, home favorite is all here again for him again. Yeah, 55, 52% of snaps. But then he's never the math play. Like op, mm-hmm. optimizers never like him because he's too expensive for a guy that doesn't catch enough passes and doesn't play enough. But, you know, he's kind of like Derrick Henry and at any given time he can go out there and break off uh, 200 yards to the ground and get in the box twice. Hey, somebody in chat, uh, John, was asking about CMC. Uh, I don't think he's going to get played much this uh, this week. Just I'm curious, uh, CMC, they're talking about uh, going to Buffalo, some rumors being thrown out there. Am I the only one that thinks like that wouldn't make a huge – like Buffalo, would, they would go from being the best offense in football to still being the best offense in football, and they're going to still score touchdowns and keep – I don't think it would matter that much. I know the running backs don't matter and whatever, but I guess it would help them incrementally. Yeah, well, we've seen the way Buffalo's organization runs. It doesn't make much sense anyhow. Uh, I think everyone's already trying to chip – McCaffrey and DJ Moore out of town. DJ Moore, who Tepper just gave an extension to this year, so yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't think neither of them are going anywhere. Um, okay. It's Christian McCaffrey, of course, it would make a difference, but still, like they they purposely waited 
they wanted a running back in the first round. Remember, they purposely waited for day two, knowing James Cook was there. So, nah, I, I don't think. Well, they wanted McKissick in the offseason too, right? Right. He, and he signed a contract, yes, but then he backed out. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't remember that. I just, I kind of go to sleep in the offseason sometimes. I remember he. <laughs> God, that sounds like a great I can't line. believe you weren't, can't believe you weren't glued to JD McKissick news. <laughs> I was grinding baseball or basketball or something else for sure. But, uh, yeah. I mean, listen, McCaffrey's been really good this year. Uh, the only two things that are getting in his way are that Carolina runs no plays. They, they're mm-hmm. dead last in offensive snaps. <laughs> and they've run four plays inside the opponent's 10 yard line this season. Oh, wow. Four. Four total. So, like, I mean, he's getting there still, but like, imagine if they just ran more plays and could create scoring opportunities. And the one person now who is left over because they fired the head coach, they fired DC, but they kept Ben McAdoo who calls the plays around. So, that's that's my concern here. And it's Philip Walker still. I mean, I guess we're in a situation where it just can't that, be worse, oh, yeah. right? We're just also, it's it's, yeah, it can't be much worse, right? Than Baker. Do you know, by the way, do you know, uh, what the J is and PJ? Can you continue this bit for us? <laughs> I actually don't. I know it's, it's oh. Philip, though. I know it's Philip. I don't know the J either. I, this is not a quiz show. I'm just curious if you if you happen to know it. Uh, no, I don't. Uh, I, I, I know. Uh, I know. Uh, no, I, there, there's nothing. It's just Philip Walker. I don't know why he goes by PJ. Yeah, oh, so that's, that's what I'm seeing too. <laughs> he just now we have a real question on our hand. Yeah, yeah. It's not. I mean, we have to need more backstory, like Ty Hilton, whose name is Eugene. Uh, we need more <laughs> backstory. <laughs> I know R.A. Dickey. I'm more of a baseball weird name. Ropper Down. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the football thing is that that's your lane. I, I won't enter it. But, uh, yeah, I pulled up the Wikipedia. Philip P.J. Walker Jr. Huh. I don't. We, we need more. We, we got to do an investigation. Stay tuned. Come back next week. I, mean, I do I, know I, the J.J. and uh, J.J. Zacharyson, but I can't reveal it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Anything else as far as running backs or shall I move on and talk about receivers? I suppose we're talking about receivers. Uh, John, you have a first shot at it. Uh, Cortland Sutton on FanDuel is still interesting because despite He how... plays on Monday. Get out of here. Oh, God. I didn't separate the slate. Okay. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and ha- let's go ahead and have the... Good That's play, the though. Time. That's the first time I've screwed that up, by the it's way. A good play, uh, though. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm playing them on Monday for everyone watching the show. If you're watching this on Sunday, I'm playing Cortland Sutton Monday. Also, let's talk about Devo Samuel, who I hope doesn't play Monday. Uh, he is $300 more on FanDuel. After he basically failed his chalk, he still got a touchdown, but still didn't really get there. He wasn't in winning lineups. So I'm curious to, even at 7,600, I wonder if people go back to him after he didn't have his first touch until the two minute warning of that game was used scarcely. It's a tremendous matchup against the Falcons defense. So overall, that's kind of where I'm at right now in FanDuel. We've talked about a lot of the receivers. We're not talking about the main slave since you got to derail it for a second. What happened to AJ Brown last game? He had three catches in the first drive. And then dude just disappeared. Like I, I think that's what he finished with, right? Am I, am I wrong? He, I just playing. told you. We just talked about it. What did I miss? I, I'm sorry. I was reading the chat. <laughs> we were talking about the lead boundary receivers against the Cardinals. Uh, I ran down the list of guys that all struggled. By the way, according to the chat, uh, they're saying Philip Jr. is what is a – Oh, just Jr.? That's Philip oh, okay. Jr.? Okay. That I makes think sense. that's what they're saying. Yeah, I guess that, that kind of makes sense. It's a quicker way of saying, okay, I'll yeah, buy that. PJ. That tracks. Um, other wide receivers we want to throw into the mix. So who do we want to talk about here? Rich, uh, Mike Evans. Yeah. Uh, 
big play magnet, has a catch of at least 30 or more yards, three games in a row. We saw that last week, if the Bucks are going to get ahead, they're going to do some load management with Chris Godwin, uh, who only ran six routes in the second half of the game right. last week. Uh, you know, the Steelers have allowed 20.6 PPR points per game to opposing wide receiver one. That's 29th in the league. They are 31st in the league in points allowed per game to boundary wide receivers. They've already allowed five wide receiver one scoring weeks in five weeks. They've already left five 100 yard receiving games to wide receivers. Uh, yeah, I like Mike Evans. He's a guy that just like perpetually never draws a lot of ownership either. Um, and then, uh, man, listen, I like Jamar Chase this week. Mm. Uh, we're tre- I think he'll get there too because we're trending towards potentially T Higgins not playing again. Yeah. Uh, and you look at his splits, even last week. I mean, so we'll get into why it happened, but he did have thirty another thirty five percent of the team targets last week. Uh, looks like we probably won't get Marshawn Lattimore playing in that game either. Uh, going back to last year on plays where T Higgins is not on the field, Ch- Jamar Chase has a twenty nine percent team target share he's been targeted on 32 percent of his routes when t higgins is on the field at any given snap he has a 23.8 percent target share jamar chase that isn't targeted on 21 percent of his routes now i get that nothing was fun last week uh he has his depth of target was 4.2 yards it was gross uh but i mean there's gonna be an explosion week if t higgins doesn't play there's going to be a lot of targets to glom onto again. And just a guy this talented getting that many targets. If he's going to come in and single digit ownership, like I'm going to put him in some lineups. Where did uh, he went to LSU, right? Chase? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were they playing this week? Nolens. There you go. There, there's some narrative for y'all. Who's his quarterback? <laughs> yeah. All right. Is this, is I'll, this, a, I, I wonder if that will get brought up in any other show for the rest of the week. I'm the first person Nick, to say it. Nick, Nick Chubb in Georgia worked out a couple weeks ago for us. There you go. <laughs> the narrative scoreboard. Uh, you guys like Olive on the other side of that game, assuming he's going to go. It looks like he's on track as far as passing all tests. Uh, he's one of those like mid-tier receivers. Looks pretty solid at 5-5. Five, five. Any thoughts as far as uh, Olive? Or, I don't, I'm just throwing him out there. Any opinions? Just sort of he's fine. We, we may be getting those prayer yards again. We may be getting that 31% target share he had from Jameis Winston those those next couple games. Do you think Winston, they'll start Gmo if he J, uh, J, J, Gino, Jameson? I, I don't know because I, with how we say Andy Dalton's supposed to be managing the game, but he's not really <laughs> managing the game either. So I don't know if they're going to take the ceiling play or just play it safe because we obviously see that they're taking Dalton off the field too for Taysom. So I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious Russo. to see how that shakes out. <laughs> I was going to make a baseball reference, but I, I got to know my audience. Tony LaRusso technically was managing the White Sox this year, but not really. Like He was there, but not really, if you follow that at all. Uh, all right. Are any of you guys looking at uh, Jacoby Myers? Um, this dude's getting like this dude's getting a boatload of targets. He's got great chemistry think, with Zappy. Do you think Mac Jones plays? I don't know. I don't know yet. Because Mac, Mac Jones was throwing – you know, 20 plus yard targets at a top five rate in the league too, uh, which would give us some more juice if he plays. But yeah, I mean, Jacoby Myers, at least it'd be a good pivot off of Ramondre. I mean, he's getting targeted on 34% of his routes. That's third among all wide receivers. Uh, and he's also averaging a career high 13.1 yards per catch uh, as well. So you're getting a little more juice instead of like the six for 45s. Uh, you know, he's had a little juicy smaller sample. He's only played three games so far this year. Two have been good. 
but he's kind of just floating out there and uh, a little bit underpriced uh, on my end. He's, he's led the team in targets in all three games he's been active for, too. Other side of that game, is that uh, – didn't Jacoby Brissett used to play for New England? Now I'm just thinking revenge <laughs> games for no particular reason. <laughs> all right, let's talk about tight ends. Uh, we've already talked about Kelsey. Uh, Anders, of course, is a, is a thing as far as spend-ups. And I'm sure you guys hate this as uh, you, know, you do a lot of season-long content as well, John. But uh, people probably ask you, like, this terrible tight end or this terrible tight end? Which one should I play? And you're like, I don't know, man. They all stink. And like you kind of said about Higby before, who's like one of the better terrible ones. Uh, you don't really need his five catches for 50 yards. But, yeah, what do you have as far as tight end? If you're looking to pay and pray because you need two touchdowns, like you're trying to match Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey in amazing spots. So that's the real problem here. Uh, if Johnny Smith gets ruled out, we can go back to Hunter Henry. 98% of snaps last week uh, came in second on targets on the team. So that's fine, especially because his salary really didn't go up. He's still 4700 on FanDuel. Was was men forty five hundred last week? I just don't know. I mean, we've already talked about Quentin Morris. Like, how much cheaper do you want me to go? <laughs> and you think Morris is legit? If uh, you know, especially it's a cheap way or a different way of getting a piece of that game. It's really popular, assuming or under the assumption that uh, Knox does not go. And we'll see. He's got a couple body parts we're monitoring. A uh, questionable last we saw. Um, yeah, I, I kind of like Morris as well as a cheapie. What about the guy for Tampa? Uh, well, we we go, we go back to Otten if. Um, uh, what's his name does not come back. Uh, Cam, Cam Brate was full practice today. Well, never mind. Well, yeah, Kate we, Otten, we, we, we lost, we lost Otten. We would all be going back to Otten if he was not. Uh, Fryermuth, we don't know about, right? I think he's questionable. Last I saw, yeah. I, you know, just sort of, I would just, I'm, I'm going to assume, I don't know, like maybe we don't get there, but for, since the two thing, I just assume every guy that has a concussion now will automatically miss the next week, but correct. Uh, we'll see. It sound, Underhill sounded promising that Alave was going to play. But I mean, I just assume like everyone's just gonna be kid kid gloves, everything. This like, which is, is fine. Like, I'm okay with yeah. that. I don't want to say that that's a negative either. But I, the way that that situation played out, I just think teams are gonna be really cautious with these guys that have concussions. And with Fryermuth, that's his third concussion in a year. Oh boy, uh, in a 12 month span. So mm-hmm. I would assume he's not going to play. I don't know how excited you are to play Zach Gentry, but <laughs> he's a big dude, six foot seven, uh, giant go. guy. Yeah, the Teddy thing, they said he passed every single test and they still wouldn't let him play. And, like, you know, err on the side of caution. I know fantasy players want their players to play, whatever, right? But, like, you know, these are also human beings and you're supposed to care that they're for their life. And, yeah, I mean, obviously. Uh, and the situation already happened in Miami, they don't want to double down and then the guy right. something else happens there. But, uh, all right. And Teddy's another guy, his long history of concussion issues, you know? Yeah. Like, you got to play it safe with those guys. I'm absolutely good with that. Uh, you got any tight ends that we should talk about, Rich, here? Or? Not cheap ones. I just you know, want to say if people are going to float to Kelsey because of the inherent game environment, I mean, Jesus, Mark Andrews is in an amazing spot this week. Uh, you know, Daigle talked about, you know, just how much, you know, how aggressive Wink is and, you know, how much man coverage they play. Uh Mark Andrews has 40% of the Ravens' targets against man coverage. Uh, the only players that have a higher team target share against man coverage are Cortland Sutton and DK Metcalf. Uh, he's fourth in the NFL in target rate per route run against man coverage. Uh, and he has 25% of the team targets in four of his five games. Like, if I don't know. We'll check we'll the scope things out because, I mean, it's Mark Andrews. He's not going to sneak through any, anybody. But, like, if just people want to get to Kelsey because of Bill's Chiefs, 
Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, Mark Andrews is just in a tremendous spot in the early games, and you already know what you have, uh, right. you know, if he hits. And like, if you play Mark Andrews as one of your one o'clock hammers, and he has like 25 points, like you're looking real good coming into what you know everyone's going to own at four. And Kelsey will naturally get stacked with Mahomes or brought back in game stacks. Thus, Lamar makes a lot of sense too, since he's kind of hidden with a ceiling that can match Mahomes and Allen in stacks. Lamar, Andrews, and Barkley looks like a pretty fun, a pretty fun stack there. Um, I mean, I'm sure other people see that as well because that's I, I can't oh, imagine anybody else in the Giants. I'm not. You want Darius Slayton shares? <laughs> I don't. I don't want any. Uh... He's, he's 3,800 on DraftKings. He's gonna get played. Okay. Yeah. He might be. Robinson may play at some point, right? We don't know if it's this week, but maybe eventually. Tony won't. Tony's never playing it down. Tony's never like... playing it. Yeah, it is career. <laughs> Does he exist? Do we have a proof of life on Canarius, uh, <laughs> Tony? We don't. We need it, actually. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it, boys. I believe that's week six in the books. Uh, do tell the people, of course, you know, week six, they know. They knew by now, like coming into the season. We've been doing the show for how many years now? They know where to find you uh, in the socials. But just in case, the small chance, John. Uh, tell the people where they can find you, where they can follow your content. It may be only two games we're trying to play here, but it's still actually a, a pretty fun slate to, for the pivots, at least. Also, go to 444.com, rest of my content there. Use the promo code DAGLE10. It'll get you 10, 25% off right now for the rest of the season, whether it be the DFS sub or if you're in the redraft streets, the redraft subs. Also know that I will be playing Court and Sutton on Monday. <laughs> Rich? Uh, yeah, you know, sharp football analysis. Uh, you can go check out the worksheet. Uh, we're going to try to cook something up here pretty soon where it's just free the entire week, you know, coming up here. Uh, but yeah, go check out the work. Uh, I feel like now that we're in like the last couple weeks, I felt really good about like where we are in the season and analyzing what we're getting out of teams. Hopefully that continues and hopefully it just has a real fun week, hit those cash lines, knock down something. Do appreciate you all watching. Kindly hit that like button if you're watching us on the YouTube. Subscribe, turn on those notifications. On behalf of producer Steve, uh, Rich, John, Malcolm Floyd, uh, Cortland Sutton, Best, Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Uh, I was Dean. Thanks for listening. Win something this week. We're out of here. Hello.